Welcome to The Edge, presented by KeelGuard. Your boat is one of your most important investments, so protect it with KeelGuard Keel Protector. I'm Steve Brigman, coming to you from the Bass Edge Studios, high above Table Rock Lake in the beautiful Missouri Ozarks. And I'm joined by one of America's favorite anglers, Aaron Martin. It's good to see you, man. How are you? Steve, I am doing well. Excited to be here. We have a new year, new studios, new content. Our first guest, one of our good friends, will head all the way out to the East Coast with Dave Woolack, then all the way out to California to check in on the West Side with Mr. Ish Monroe. It's going to be good. Well, this is going to be fun. Let's get the show on the road. Get her like that, boy. Good job. Well, I don't know of any other sport that offers the challenge that bass fishing does. That's full contact fishing right Man. there. Conditions are going to be tough, but we'll catch them. This is, this is a good place. It's all about figuring it out. <laughs> what do you think of that, huh? Yeah. Yeah! Oh, did you see that? Yes, I saw that. That was awesome. Holy cow. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing from the Bass Edge Studios. High above Table Rock Lake in the Missouri Ozarks. Well, it's been a while, my friend. It's great to be back at the mic here in our new digs. I just hope I can concentrate with the lake right out the window. (laughs) Calm down, Steve. You know, I didn't get you the uh, sound effects board that you wanted, but I did get you a better view. You've now got an office with a window. And if it's too distracting, I can certainly go over and, I guess, close the blinds or, you know, put up some kind of a drab cloth so that you actually feel more appropriate. No, no, no. Don't do that. I'm just kidding you. No, I'm actually thrilled to be here again, thrilled to be back with listeners, and just good to be hanging out with you again. Boy, it sure is. You know, though I've enjoyed the time off, I've got to say, in all honesty, I have truly missed it. But, you know, I just want all of our listeners to know that we are back for good. We have a new and improved program, more interviews with top anglers, industry professionals. Plus, you know, I know this kind of pulls at your heartstrings, more giveaways and answers to listener questions. (laughs) That's for sure. And we're getting off to a big bang starting the new year with Dave and Ish. And this is going to be fun. But before we get into those interviews, I'm just, like I say, it's been a while. I'm just interested to hear what you've been up to since we were together last. Well, you know, certainly have recovered from uh, the holidays and got some great time with friends and family, as always. But fishing-wise, you know, Steve, since you're kind of putting me on the spot, and I know this kind of sticks between you and I and the listeners, um, I've kind of jumped on the Alabama rig train. And that's certainly received a tremendous amount of publicity over the last uh, few weeks. And I was in a little bit different predicament, though. I was actually getting ready for a tournament here on the home lake of Table Rock uh, Central Pro-Am against, of course, all those guys are certainly seasoned veteran anglers looking for that, just that added edge. But the problem is I could not find anywhere to get these things, could not get my hands on one to actually even be able to go out and try them. And given my shortened practice period that I had, I think I devoted about 10 hours. Fortunately, I was able to call Bass Tackle Depot and uh, track one down. They actually have a new one out that will be available to the public. It's actually called the Pac-Man. So they were nice enough to overnight those to me. I got five of those sent out to me. And the rest is kind of history. I I really cannot believe. I'm here to tell you and tell our listeners that it is everything that it's cracked up to be. Well, you were just showing me that a few minutes ago, and of course, uh, when you went out fishing, you didn't bother to call me, but uh, anyway, <laughs> I haven't uh, been out yet with the old Alabama rig, but those things are huge. What are you throwing them on? Well, they are enormous. Um, you know, it's it's one of those deals that depending on how you weight them, you know, that bait can actually be up to five ounces. So it's I, I call it the equivalent of basically going to my dining room table, cutting the chandelier off of the ceiling and tying that to the end of the fishing rod. 
It's that big, and I'm telling you, it really wears on your shoulder. So you have to have the right gear, and really what I'm throwing them on, it's a rod made specifically for these heavier baits. Uh, it's made by Dobbins. It's essentially, it's a 7.9 rod, and then, if you can believe it, in this clear water, everything that they tell you, and it kind of goes against the common advice out there, but I'm, believe it or not, I'm throwing it on 50-pound braid in this clear water. Well, uh, that's fascinating, and I, I'm, I'm interested to get into that, and I want to do that in a little more detail on our next show. Maybe by then I'll have a chance to uh, get out and check it out. Yeah, well, I wouldn't count on that, but I'll do my best. I, I have a hard time showing the secrets, considering there's only about 5 million people that know what's going on with that, Steve, but no, seriously, what's the elder statesman been up to? Elder statesman? <laughs> Dude. <laughs> well, I hadn't been out as much as I'd like. Uh, as usual, though, I've been floating around the Ozarks a little bit, catching smallies, sort of in my fly rod phase, and, and that's been a lot of fun. Plus, I've also been down a couple of times recently, chasing those funny-looking speckled fish in Arkansas. But uh, I'll tell you, I'm awfully anxious to get out the lake here soon in the Ozarks. Winter's such a good time to fish around here. Boy, it sure is, you know, and I can't help but think about we are right in the heart of the drop shotting using those, uh, what I call those ice baits, those vertical jigs, to be able to get out, set right over top of those large schools of fish, you know. And uh, something I know you like to do is kind of do a little bird watching, but relates a little more to fishing versus photography. Well, that's true, and it's... This is a time of year where those birds can really point you to the bait. And I'll tell you what, you know, I've talked to a couple of our biologists here, and when I relay this story to them, they look at me kind of funny, like I'm a little bit crazy. And I know you look at me like that sometimes too, but I've seen it enough to where the seagulls find the bait. And then they land on the water, and they start calling, and all of a sudden the loons show up to dive and stir those baits up. I pretty convinced that those birds are working together. There is no question. I've seen it too many times. I consider them really the best fishermen on the lake. And any time that, you know, I'm possibly back in a cove or a creek fishing and I see those birds going to work, I can assure you I'm getting my life jacket on, hooking that up, getting behind the big motor and motoring over to that spot as quickly as possible. Too many times I've seen it happen, Steve. Follow the birds. It's good advice all year round, but here on Table Rock in the winter, it's the sure deal. Anyway, I guess we could talk about this all day, and hopefully we'll be out there fishing soon, but let's take a quick break right here, and we'll be right back with Dave Wolak. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. Keel Guard keel protectors. Our next guest is certainly no stranger to Bass Edge, as you, the fans, voted him most popular. Steve Brigman offered best looking, and I think he's <laughs> most likely to make you laugh. Please welcome pro Dave Wolak. Welcome back to The Edge, Dave. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on, and thanks for everybody voting me. And the big vote, thank you to Mr. Steve over there. I'm <laughs> glad I'm the best looking in your eyes. Well, I tell you what, ever since we decided to get back on the air, Aaron's been a little out of control, Dave, so... Uh, it was that one day that I winked at you, wasn't it? You just had to tell them. <laughs> you know, it uh, stuck with me forever. <laughs> <laughs> well, regardless, Dave, uh, it is certainly good 
to have you yes. back. And, you know, it, it's been a while. So how in the world has, has life been? And, you know, are you uh, kind of sticking to your New Year's resolutions, I guess, now that we are well into uh, 2012? Yeah, you know, life's been good, man. I, uh, I appreciate you asking. It's uh, uh, been real busy, of course. You know, I've had a a super busy tournament schedule for the last, you know, couple of years, along with doing some TV and doing a ton of media events and things like that. And I, you know, I, my new year's resolution was to win a tournament every year. And I've done that the last two years. So I think I've been that decently successful. And, you know, each year plays out differently. Um, you know, you know, not only the locations and the places that we go and fish, but, uh, everything from issues that you have on the water to the little decisions that you make to, you know, if you or if you do not land a fish, you know, every year plays out differently. And to have a tournament come together and win an event, one every four years or five years is, is good. So I've been very, very fortunate this year. And it's, I guess my New Year's resolution going into next year would be to the same thing. It's to try to win an event. I thought this might be the year you started your Aaron Martin bobblehead collection. <laughs> Ah, yes. That might be another thing that I could do. Talk to me about, uh, you know, here we are at the beginning of a new year, and uh, you're looking ahead, you know. I know you've got uh, doing a lot of planning, but uh, do you set specific goals or uh, or set a plan or uh, just, uh, you know, what goes through your your mind this time of year? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things. I mean, being the, uh, I guess, CEO, CFO, owner, operator, and everything of your own little company yourself, you have to take big picture concepts uh, of what you plan on doing into perspective first. Like, you know, kind of like the CEO that sits back at the desk, you think he doesn't do anything all day, and then comes out and barks in order. But, I, I mean, the, the, the one thing that I always am trying to keep in perspective is that I'm, uh, I, I want to have a big picture perspective on my own business and uh you know the first thing that comes to mind is having more fun and because you want to have and love your job and have fun with what you're doing and uh that sounds very ish monroe like because i know that's what he's going to say and <laughs> but he's exceptionally busy too and i mean we talk periodically and ish um has had that kind of motto for the last couple of years have more fun type of thing and i, I mean i agree with them but it, you know it's hard to do when you're when you're wrapped up in all the business aspects of it and 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 in one thing for me that going into next year which i think will turn into and to sort of play into having more fun would be consolidating my efforts i think that I've been spread really, really thin. Considering 2006, I was fishing, you know, both bass and FLW, which the, the bass elite series back then was 11 tournaments along with the classic three majors, and the FLW schedule was an, an additional six tournaments. And, uh, you know, along with the newborn and moving to North Carolina, my life was pretty much, you know, uh, maxed out in, in many different ways. You know, back then it didn't, because I was sort of breaking into the sport, I, I still had a lot of aspirations. And I still do, and I think we all do, but I think that you can spread yourself too thin very quickly. And um, now that my, you know, my son is getting to be, he's five and a half now, and I'm coaching his teams and doing, so I, wa I want to live an additional life on top of doing my professional fishing. And, um, you know, in, in, in terms of having more fun, that's going to entail me consolidating my efforts, providing adequate time with my family and so forth, and and just sort of making sense of everything instead of being, you know, a big shamble mess of nonsense all in my garage with all kinds of tackle everywhere. I mean, I could never even get around at that point to get to cleaning and organizing all my tackle because I was doing so much. And um, so, you know, now, and starting really last year a lot, I, that consolidation of my efforts has allowed me to, you know, 
focusing on what I need to be focusing in on and, and put a greater effort uh, into every event that I do finish or, you know, media outing or promotional event or whatever I'm doing for my sponsors. I have a more, you know, a clearer mindset. Well, and, and I think that's a good point, Dave. And, you know, the funny thing is you and I have even had this conversation before. Really, for the weekend angler, it's it's very similar challenges in the fact that, you know, a lot of guys that are, whether they're just fishing recreationally or jumping in on some weekend tournaments, they kind of deal with a little bit of the same things of trying to manage their workload. Um, because being a professional angler, like you said, you're kind of chief cook and bottle washer and everything else. You're a mechanic and, you know, chauffeur and, and logistics planner. But a lot of the weekend ang- anglers have those same challenges of trying to manage their workload, their family life, and still being able to go out, put time on the water, and be successful. I totally agree with that. I mean, uh, yourself, Steve, uh, myself, I mean, we all remember that one guy in the local tournaments that we used to get mad at back in the day because we'd show up on Saturday with no practice, and there was that one guy that had been there since Thursday to fish the you know, $15 entry fee tournament. He's been practicing for two days. And we'd be like, oh, come on, you know, how could this guy do that? And my point <laughs> yeah. is, is that, you know, I mean, I, I was that guy that it was working, you know, till 9 o'clock at night every day during the week and then showing up on Saturday and then trying to make something of the fishing thing, too. So uh, it is hard to manage that entirety of the effort. Uh, I've, I've done a lot in this sport already, I feel, and I still have a lot more to do. But, you know, in this part of my career with, uh, obviously, you know, my son involved and things like that, I want to make it so that I'm doing it the right way and uh, doing it the way that's best for everybody. Well, Dave, uh, I want to talk a little fishing here, of course. And uh, one of the questions we get from a lot of our listeners uh, is from, uh, you know, new anglers that want to talk about fishing on unfamiliar water. And I'm going to give you a little hypothetical here. Uh, I'm sure you're too young to remember, but back in the old days, they used to have these tournaments where they put anglers on a plane and fly them off to some mystery lake they'd never seen. Well, let's just assume Bass Edge has bought you a ticket on this, on one of these planes, and we're dropping you on a lake, no map. We're just giving you a boat, a trolling motor, and I'll tell you what, we'll even throw in some electronics. What's your approach? Well, that's, a, that's a, an awesome scenario, and I feel that, you know, some of the tournaments that in the past, like I always used to claim that the, the majors and when Bass used to have the six-hole course where part of the the place was off limits and, and we would just show up on day three and start fishing that part of the lake uh, that I, I loved that style of fishing. And, um, you know, in terms of us doing that, number one, if it was against other competitors, I think that you'd have to always have that at least for your own head ruled out that any other competitor do not have any advantage of knowing where that lake is. Is that, I mean, one sentence of information of knowing where it is or what the lake fish is like could, enhance your entire approach and strategy to doing it. So if knowing that nobody else is going on there and I'm just going on from an instructional standpoint on the lake, the way that I break it down is I go there, number one, knowing what season it is. First thing that would tell me is, you know, what stage the fish is migrations of the spawn, post-spawn, uh, you know, following shad into creeks in the fall or if they're in full-blown winter pattern, whatever it is. Um, if, number two, I'd say if the lake has grass or not, the grass variable single-handedly has attributed to so many tournament wins and so many, you know, overall strategies, you know, revolving around that grass, not only in my career but many professionals' career, that I, that single factor alone determines a lot of my strategy. And then I'd say number three, generally what caliber of fish, you know, in the first hour or two determining what size of fish I'm looking for. And a lot of that can be determined by just what you're catching, 
um, what type of, you know, forage you see. If there's big, giant gizzard chad jumping everywhere and, you know, the fish breaking on the surface, then you know that you're going to have, a, you know, a better caliber of fish in there and numbers and quantity, too. Once I could determine, you know, some, some simple factors like that, uh, I just, you know, pull out my seasonal arsenal and, and go to work. So, Dave, I mean, when you approach a body of water, because I know you've you've done this numerous times, not only on the tournament trail, but just fun fishing also, if, from the standpoint, do you normally uh, pull into a creek? You know, in this case, obviously, you've had no preconceived uh, notions or map or anything else, but is is that where your electronics come into play and you actually do some graphing and some things like that before you even make a cast? Before I even make a cast or put the boat in the water, I look at the water clarity, um, and, you know, one thing I like to do is, like you said, there's a plane ticket and I arrive. Well, do I arrive at one lawn tramp in one part of the lake or in one creek, or do I get to at least drive around the lake? One thing I do is I drive around physically in my truck uh, before I even put the boat in the water because you could determine water clarity differences in different parts of the lake. Sometimes just by the lay, the lay of the land itself, you could tell if this is more of a rock-laden section of the lake versus a more sediment-laden section of the lake. And, you know, obviously that has a lot to do with uh, if there's a, you know, rainstorm or something like that, if one side will muddy up versus the other. Or sometimes just the larger flats produce bigger breeding grounds uh, for, you know, looking at determining which part of the lake is going to have better fish and in quantity and quality. So I, I look at some of those things before I even put the boat in the water. And then clarity itself is a bait selection thing. If the, if the lake is dingy, uh, stained to muddy, I'm going to generally have larger, louder baits, um, you know, more blacks and whites in terms of standing out. And then uh, if the lake is clear, then I'm all around the natural colors. And, you know, generally speaking, smaller baits, not always necessarily the case. I mean, in the case of a swim bait and things like that, but they are just, you know, more natural. Um, but, you know, and then, I, and then I go, and when I put the boat in the water, the last probably thing I do is determine stuff with the graph. I mean, you know, it's like the simple scenario of, like, if you get put on a body of water, you don't even know what's in there, what are you going to do, go driving around looking for brush piles in the first two minutes that you get there? There's so much other stuff to determine before you even get there and get the boat on the water. Um, so, yeah, the graph is extremely important when you're finding those finite little intricacies of fishing, in, you know, in terms of detail, spot on a spot, um, you know, the creek, you know, channel turn that, the shad migrate through and hold up for one day prior to going all the way to the back of the creek. Things like that is really what you're determining with your graph. But you know, I, and that's more on the ladder of the of this, the series of steps that are taken to uh, you know a strategic approach that would maybe put you in the winner's circle. Well, Dave, let's take sort of the opposite of that and let's talk about uh, that body of water that you are familiar with you know we've heard a lot of people say that like familiarity is not necessarily a great advantage you get used to catching them in certain spots and you know and you have memories of the past what advice can you offer to keep an open mind and not get locked into those successful memories that's a great question because i've been faced with that scenario about every single time i've gone to lake champlain it's a it's a huge lake and i've 
probably been more successful there than any place that I've fished in my career, and I think it's because I fish it with an open mind, and everybody always asks me, well, how's that spot, you know, you, and because, you know, they capture one glimpse of a moment on TV or something like that, and I'm like, man, I haven't fished there in three years, and they're like, well, what do you mean, you had success there, I'm like, yeah, and it hasn't been the same since. Uh, I think that so many places change, and you got to be open to that, and I, a place like Lake Champlain sort of accentuates every change, because, you know, it's good one year because of a multiple, of, you know, scenarios of the grass is right on top of the wind didn't blow a certain way for a week and didn't ruin it and making one area worse usually enhances the capabilities of another area because fish move around and um, going through any body of water especially big bodies of water you know you always have to have an open mind you have to go there and and, um, and let it play out the way that nature is telling you that it's playing out. I mean, you have to look at every single variable that's thrown at you and uh, from wind to time of the year to, you know, like things I talked about before, caliber of fish and the, and the clarity of the water, all that stuff, you have to look at and collectively organize in your own head and mesh together a, a strategy or game plan based on what you're served on the platter. And, and many times the outcome of what you come up with is different from the time that you went there before. I mean, everybody has that story of, man, I caught a five-pounder on this point on a spinnerbait, you know, 10 years ago, and they go there every season. And it's fine to go and try those spots again because sometimes the spot plays out to be very similar to the time when you caught that five-pounder. But there's also a lot of times where you, <laughs> you have it, you know, just slightly different, and, uh, you know, the day is different, you know, the lake is, level is different, whatever it is. And, you know, and that no fish is there, you know, not, you know, let alone the five pounder, but nothing's there. And, um, you know, I guess it doesn't hurt to try, but always try to like, just even like I said before, arriving at the lake, let all the, the stuff uh, that you're seeing in nature sort of start to mesh together in your head before you determine a strategy. Well, I certainly think that's a good point, Dave. And, you know, one of the things, and I'd like your opinion on this, is the ability to call an audible. I think a lot of times that those spots that we've had success on in the past um, aren't necessarily perhaps where we need to go every time. But one thing that they do is if we are on a body of water that we fish quite a bit, and as those conditions change, like you said, and we can remember, and that's where kind of keeping a log in the journal, you know, that I do come into play, of being able to go to those spots as those conditions develop throughout the day. You might not be there, you know, at the beginning of the day, but by the time that the afternoon rolls around, aha, you know, you see that waypoint on your screen as you're driving past. Let's let's pull in here and let's give this a few casts because these conditions are comparable. Yeah, I, I, we all have seen that. I mean, it's played out in its best uh, scenario in the springtime. Sometimes you could catch absolutely zero in the spring because it's low light conditions uh, and catching, I'm talking catching nothing in the morning. And then in the afternoon, you get a little warmer water. The water temperature goes from 50 to 52, and it's like the, the whole place ignites. And, um, you know, that it's just letting things happen and letting things, you know, nature tell you when the right time to, to you know, make a move is. And, uh, and if you let it play out, sometimes it works out for you and sometimes it doesn't. But this is, like, as you know, a very humbling sport. <laughs> you have to be ready for those failures as well. Well, Dave, that is, man, that is all just, just great advice. But before we let you get away, uh, we're going to ask you to help us out with a listener question. And we have a question from Gary. And Gary wants to know, our lake is a rock bowl with no grass and very little cover. Fish always seem to be on the move. I can't keep a pattern on these fish. The lake is real deep and clear. How would you fish this lake? That's a great question, Gary. Thanks for calling in. You know, I think that one of the things is that in a rock bowl, 
there's always subtle things. Like you could just look at it and say, oh, it's a rock bowl. There's no, there's nothing on the bottom. And sometimes, you know, a little rock vein of difference of color or a little, you know, the fissures in the rock are slightly different. Some little determining factor will many times clue you into one side or one piece of the lake being a little bit better than the other. Um, so I've had that type of deal where these even smaller lakes were, you know, and we've all kind of grown up on those smaller lakes and fished, you know, tournaments with 25 boats and troll motored only and everybody's racing to one spot type of thing. And um, I was always forced in those type of tournaments to try to find the little subtle differences that would account for a couple extra fish. And I think that that was the type of thing that, you know, made a difference for me. One other thing definitely that makes a difference in bowl type of scenarios, when there's no or very little cover, wind plays a big factor in determining the movement of fish. You know, many of us have had that scenario where we're going into a cove and it all looks the same and one side of the cove is better on one day than the other. Well, is the wind blowing over there? Yes. Well, the wind is blowing over there, and it's creating a little color change in the water, a little shad movement over there. Uh, you know, the plankton are all kind of grouped up on that side, bringing the shad over, whatever the case may be. Uh, or the, just the very opposite of that. It's springtime, and one side has the wind, and the other side is slick calm, and the water's warming up uh, because it is slick calm, and fish are, you know, starting to bed over on that other side because it is slick calm. Uh, all gravel, all looks the same, nothing different just wind making a difference. So look at the wind in those bull type of lakes. And if it's, you know, depending on what time of the year it is that, you know, like I said, those two scenarios would spawn versus, uh, you know, say wind in the summer creating a little oxygen and, and a little shadow over there might make a difference. Lastly, in bull type of lakes, just look for fish on your graph. There is nothing like a graph in bull type of lakes. Some of the, you know, the, the, the experts that fish out in places like Lake Mead, where they're, uh, out west, there are expert drop shotters where there's no nothing on the bottom, and those fish move around. Um, they are experts on their graph. Just, you know, tuning in their electronics to see one individual fish and dropping on them is a deadly pattern in those types of lakes. So give those things a try, and uh, maybe next time we're on, you can call back in and let me know how you did. Well, there you have it, Gary. The uh, I guess we could say the gospel according to Wolak. Dave, we have officially reached your... Uh court-ordered time of community service for this month and <laughs> congratulations on you know on getting that ankle bracelet off and uh the tracking device you know that's that's always a positive i'm sure helps it around <laughs> any anything you would like to add before we uh before we sign off here i uh, just uh, hope everyone had a happy holidays and uh i'll see you out on the water someplace this year all right well as always dave thanks so much for your time and uh thanks for being part of bass edge we'll see you dave uh, all right guys see you at Legend Boats, we have one agenda, to build the finest bass boat on the water. It's our passion. Our hand-laid hulls and zero-tolerance stringer and transom system give you a smooth, dry ride, even in the rough stuff. The Alpha 211 with its massive fishing platform. The Alpha 199, fast and stable. And coming soon, the Alpha 191, a 19-footer with a style, attitude, and a price value all its own. Legend Boats, catch the wave, ride with a legend. Now you can harness the full power of your boat electronics and catch more fish. Introducing Electronics 101. Whether a beginner or more advanced, leading electronics instructor Mike Webb shows you how to get the most out of any sonar unit. Common problems and frequently asked questions are covered in detail. Electronics 101 also includes bonus deep fishing tips from industry pros. Master any brand. And graph. Order your DVD by calling 888-390-8780 or online at BassEdge.com. It was great as always to hear from Dave. And Aaron, I, I was struck by how similar he would approach the Mystery Lake to the lake that he was familiar with. 
a great observation, Steve. And I, you know, I just think that is a testament to, you know, when athletes, I don't care if you're competing in a formal competition or not, but really as anglers, we are always competing against the fish that are out on the lake. And also a lot of times against ourselves. And I, you know, I think when you look at that, that really kind of drives home of what we've heard many times from Dr. Jay McNamara concerning the psychology side of fishing is that we really need to keep an open mind, not close ourselves down to new opportunities or as those conditions and as the day develops, just making sure that we're putting ourselves in a position mentally to succeed. Yeah, you may be fishing the same waters, but every day's a new day. There's something about the conditions that are different. And man, that was a, that was a great interview with Dave. Well, Aaron, we got some great news here. Just recently, we got a new sponsor on board. Well, I'll let you do the honors. Well, actually, it is. You know, it's right off the press. Exciting news. You know, beginning with the next episode, Steve, we will have the listener question segment. However, it is going going to be presented by BassTackleDepot.com, our good friends there. And really, you know, it's an opportunity for our listeners to cash in big. And here's how it works. Listener questions will be chosen, as always, and answered on the air during this special segment. Those that are selected are going to receive a gift certificate for a free shopping spree at BassTackleDepot.com. So, start sending in those questions For our next episode, to info at BassEdge.com. Again, let me repeat that because it's very important that you get your questions sent in now. Send an email with your question to info, I-N-F-O, at BassEdge.com. Additionally, all submissions will be placed into our grand prize drawing for a complete lineup of Bass Edge items, Keel Guard items, and Bass Tackle Depot at the end of the year. So in the meantime, be sure to log on to BassTackleDepot.com and check out all things bass fishing. Trust me, you don't want to miss out. Hmm, giveaways. Well, you know, uh, you know I'm into that. How did I know that you were going to put that in? Let me throw out the disclaimer for all employees of Bass Edge. You are uneligible, Steve. Oh, I just had to give you that one to throw back at me, but let's move on. We're going to uh, talk talk with Ish Monroe. We're going to hit him with that same mystery lake question and see what uh, he has to say about fishing on an unknown water. We'll be right back with Ish Monroe. Why did they consistently win? Why did they know about all the latest and greatest baits? BassTackleDepot.com, of course. BassTackleDepot.com is your headquarters for all your bass fishing needs. With over 100 different manufacturers in stock, including Dobbins Rods, Bassaholics Clothing, Boat Bling Cleaning Products, Black Dog, Pepper Baits, Jean LaRue, Jack Allure Company, McCoy Line, not to mention a talented staff of hardcore anglers ready to assist your every need. It's no wonder Bass Tackle Depot is where the pros shop. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the Powerpole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, Powerpole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, Powerpole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. Powerpole, swift, silent, secure. Visit Powerpole.com to find a dealer near you. 
Well, as promised, our next guest is the 2012 Bassmaster Classic Qualifier who calls the West Coast home. Back for his second appearance on The Edge, it's none other than Ish Monroe. Welcome back, Ish. How's it going? It's going great. Tell me, Ish, you got that Red River all figured out? You ready to go down and win a Bassmaster Classic? You know, it, it's hard to figure out the Red River because you don't know what the water conditions are going to be. You know, if the water's high... You know, they could, there's a possibility that the tournament could actually be canceled. If the water's low, you know, fishing could be really, really good. So it, it's really hard till we get down there. So I'm not having any preconceived notions about going down there. Well, that's, uh, that's a good point. Kind of funny that you actually bring that up because we spent uh, a lot of the last interview going into great detail as far as not going in with preconceived notions. And, you know, speaking of which, uh, we kind of consider your, West Coast presence, our, our connection, although I know you spend most of your time in other parts of the country given your schedule, but what what are the bass doing right now, and, and how are they being caught kind of in that western region-ish? Oh, man, right now um, there's so many different things going on. I mean, there's 30-pound bags being caught on the, they call it the Calabama rig. Basically, it's the Alabama rig modified for California, which has basically three swim baits on it to use. Um, we got Lake McClure where the spotted bass thrive. And I mean, they're crushing big ones on swim baits right now. I mean, they had a tournament there. It took like 28 to win that one. And two of those fish were over five pounds over spotted bass and they caught them on a swim bait. Well, are they relating to grass, you know, water temperature? Is it, uh, cause I, I think for a lot of us, and I, I realize California is a, a really big state, but you know, with things that's going on, is there a, a tremendous difference between, let's say, the East Coast, Midwest, and the West Coast, or is it the thing that you hear a lot, you know, a bass is a bass is a bass? A bass is a bass is a bass, but Northern California has everything. I mean, you've got a shallow water fishery that's very similar to Lake Gunnersville at Clear Lake. You've got a river fishery like the Potomac on the California Delta. You've got Lake McClure or New Malones, which is very similar to Smith Mountain Lake you know, in Alabama. Um, we got Don Pedro, which has a lot of standing timber like the Texas Lake. So that's the one great part about living in Northern California is you got everything. But, I mean, a bass is pretty much a bass, and you go out there and you throw the right bait, you're going to catch them. Well, you know, one of the things we get asked most here on the edge is uh, new anglers, intermittent anglers who have trouble fishing new and unfamiliar waters. And I'm going to lay a question on you that we hit Wolak with earlier, and sort of a hypothetical, but uh, Back in the old days, uh, maybe a little before your time, I don't know, but uh, they used to put anglers on a plane for the Bassmaster Classic and fly them off to some mystery lake. So uh, we've got you a ticket on that plane. We're putting you on a lake you've never seen. You don't have a map, just a boat, a trolling motor. And the latest electronics, what's your approach? Oh, my approach is fishing my strengths and, and having fun. You know, my, my, my strengths being, you know, flipping and pitching, throwing a frog or throwing top water is the things that I really like to do that I'm really, really good at. If those bikes are on, I'm going to catch them. So I'm going to start out with those. And if that's not working, then, you know, you got you got to be able to adjust and, and, and make changes, you know. Um, I actually did what you guys were talking about with the uh, Bush shootout in 2006. You know, we had no idea where we were going. We had to pack our bags, pack tackle, and then they put us on a plane, and I didn't know that I was actually going to Texas until I got to the airport. 
And then from there, I still didn't even know what lake I was going to. I didn't know if it was a grass lake or a wood lake, and we ended up on Grapevine. And I, I didn't get to flip or pitch there, and I didn't get to throw top water there. So the next thing I did is I, I picked up old faithful square bill crankbait and had at it. And the first fish that I catch is a seven-pound keeper. You go fishing and you have fun. Grapevine, that's my old uh, stomping grounds down there. And you mentioned having fun. And, of course, one of the things Wolak said was a New Year's resolution for him is to have fun. How important is that in being successful? I'll tell you this is, you know, the elite search for the last two years have been a little bit tough on me. And last year, uh, 2010, I had, I finished the tied for the top five in points for FLW. And I went into every single FLW event with no practice and just went fishing and had fun. And I crushed them. And I saw myself on the Elite Series grinding too hard, trying to make things happen that weren't going to happen instead of having fun. So I took that into 2011. And, you know, I had a great season in the last five events. I, I finished four top tens in the last five events. And then I went out after that and won a Bass Open up at Lake Sham, or uh, Lake Oneida. To put that in perspective, because I think you bring up a, a very good point in that, you know, for weekend anglers, they don't necessarily have the time with their workload, their family, so on and so forth, of the just the things that's on their plate as well, often to get out and do leading up to days before they're actually going to be there for the weekend so it's a little bit kind of what i would consider fishing pure or fishing the moment you know as the conditions develop it's very important to you know remember why you are there which is ultimately i think most of us got into this sport because we do enjoy it that's exactly it well and you know here we are in january most times uh or a lot of times i should say people kind of are done with hunting season you know baseball season's over football's coming winding down and their fishing rods and reels seem to be collecting dust, and a lot of people use that time for maintenance. But I think it's important to point out there's some great fishing that's taking place, much like we talked about at the beginning of the interview. You know, share with us some general adjustments as the water cools down. Days are already starting to get longer, hard to believe, given the temperatures that we're still seeing. But what are some of the adjustments that you make when the water is cold? Well, you know, fish are just like people in the wintertime. You know, you're going to wait till the sun gets up a little and wait till it warms up a little bit before you actually start moving around. So you don't have to be out there at the crack of dawn when you're fishing in the wintertime. And then also, you know, you're, you're moving a lot slower. You're, you're bundling up in a bunch of clothes and you're just going to move a lot slower and you're just going to make your way to the kitchen, you know, not in a normal fashion as you would if it was summer or spring and when you're wanting to be outside and run around and do things. So you have to slow down. You know, you have to use baits that are on the bottom. Um, jigs or drop shots and things like that are, are, are excellent baits to use at this time of the year. Top water is not so much. You know, you're not going to be really up for chasing that bait, but, you know, you never can rule it out either. If you go out there and throw a top water, just make sure you're working it super, duper slow and giving the fish an opportunity to look at it and need it. And, of course, uh, this is the time of year that, you know, the bike can run really be slow. Talk to us about how important mindset is in overcoming tough conditions. Well, just 
knowing that you're out there. You know, the tough conditions when you go out there and you're not get bit for three or four hours. Well, think about it when you actually do get bit on how good it's going to feel. And, you know, and, and, and just kind of slow yourself down and knowing that when you get a bite, it's going to be just, you know, setting the hook and that great feeling of catching a fish and that you've overcome all the odds of it being cold and nasty out there in the wintertime to, to not catching fish, but having that mindset that you're going to catch them. And so just keep thinking positive, you know, positive thoughts end up in positive results. That is certainly true. And I always remember back ish, and you can probably appreciate this too, is, you know, when it's jerkbait season and the guys show up and it's freezing cold where the water's, you know, freezing in your rod guys, but the guys that have the armrest on their uh, captain's chairs in the front of their, of their boat, those are the guys that normally are going to beat you because they're patient enough to make the adjustment, sit down, you know, be slow on in between twitches and jerks and really make sure that you're mimicking that, you know, what the bait fish are actually doing. Exactly. You know, those guys, I, I've been beat by those guys several times because I get so amped up about being out there fishing that I'm pushing my jerk bait too hard or I'm moving my work fast. You know, one of the really cool things about this show and just as we're out and you're out and meeting people, you know, we hear from a lot of new and intermediate anglers, many of which, you know, really aspire to be the next Ishman row. Share with us some of your personal history and kind of the road that you took to get to really the highest echelons of bass fishing in the Job to Pro, so to speak. Well, you know, for me, I think it's been different from a lot of guys. You know, um, you know, I hear all the stories about the guys in high school. They were too busy going fishing and partying, and, and that was me. And, you know, but my focus was the first job I had at 14 years old was working in a tackle shop. Every book report that I ever did had to do with fishing. Um, so, I mean, I was born and bred to be a fisherman. And, and then after that, when I went to college, I was working at UPS at night, going to school, you know, in the morning, and then still squeezing in afternoon fishing time and, and prepping myself when I was actually going to college to be a professional angler, you know, taking marketing classes and business classes and, you know, having those things, you know, as a background because it's a business that you have to treat it like a business. And then after college, you know, fishing tournaments, I fished every tournament I possibly could. Actually, I still do that now. It's fishing as much as you possibly can and fishing as many tournaments as you can because you're not going to make any money unless you're out there fishing tournaments and doing well in tournaments. And fishing every day makes you a better angler. And so when you show up to a place and the conditions turn right and, and you know what the conditions are doing and what's happened in the past, you go out there, you fish, and you catch them. Well, Eric, before you get away this morning, uh, we'd like for you to help us with a listener question. The question is from Jason from Glasgow, Kentucky. And he was recently on Kentucky Lake. And he is a, he and his partner caught 134 large mouse and small mouse one day and 73 the next. But they only had three keepers during the whole time. And his question to you is, where were all the bigger fish? I don't really understand. Thanks, Jason. Well, you know, Jason, the one thing about Kentucky Lake, I've fished on it many times, and I've had that same problem that you had is when you catch, you're catching smaller fish, fish school up big time on Kentucky Lake. And usually in schools like that, the biggest fish bites first, and then the rest of them are all the same size after that. So there are no bigger fish in that school. So even though you're catching fish, you've got to make a move and you've got to make an adjustment to a different area that you haven't caught them. You know, you might not be catching them as fast, but they're probably going to be a little bit bigger in size or looking for a different school of fish that 
has a lot more bigger fish and a lot more keepers in it. That's uh, certainly good advice-ish, and you know, quite honestly, I'm still kind of drooling over you know catching 200 bass in two days on Kentucky Lake. It's kind of hard to kind of hard to pull yourself away from biting fish, but you know, then again, that's why you're paid the big bucks. And uh, you know, I will say, lucky for you, it is time for Brigman's uh, mid-session nap, so that means you get to have the rest of your of your day back. But anything you'd like to add before uh, we put this thing on the trailer? No, pretty much. You know, just all the folks out there, go out, have fun, take a kid fishing. You know, that's what my dad did for me, and I'll tell you, it kept me out of a lot of trouble. So parents, you know, even though you might not like fishing, give your kid a chance to love it because they probably will, and it might have the same effect that it's had on me. Is never gotten any trouble, never went to jail because I was too busy wanting to go fishing. Well, I think that should be a uh, at the top of everybody's list for New Year's resolution and take a young person fishing and get them involved in the outdoors. Well, as always, thanks so much for your time and being a part of Bass Edge, Ish. Not a problem. Thanks, Ish. Yep. Under the lily pads in a lake near you, live bass happy and free until one man with a huge resume and immeasurable experience building the finest rods in the world changed everything. Gary Dobbins offers three full lines of tournament-winning rods. The Champion Extreme, Champion, and Savvy Series. Dobbins Rods. When fishing is more than a hobby. You know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. Keel Guard Keel Protectors. Man, that nap comment, that was just wrong. Besides, Aaron, they call it a siesta. You know, some really successful people took naps, like Ernest Hemingway and Lance Armstrong. I guess then the simple deduction would be, does this mean you're going to be competing in the Tour de France? Well, I would. I mean, I I, I do have a new bike, but uh, that daggum thing lasts a long time. I just don't want to spend that long in France. Well, you know, I'm sure we could make use of some YouTube videos of you in spandex and your jersey and shorts, not to mention. <laughs> okay, okay. That I think it's time to move on and talk a little fishing. I was just glancing out the window here and thinking about, uh, you know, here we are in the dead of winter. And like we said earlier, it's a great time of fish in our part of the country. But I figure a guy like you is probably using some of these nasty days to get organized for the year ahead. Yeah, you know, Steve, I don't know that there's a bad time of year to actually to go fishing. But, no, you're right. Uh, the weather is definitely colder, moving a little slower. And, quite honestly, you have to take preparation time. And I really like using the colder months um, to be able to do that. I think that, you know, keeping your tackle organized, you know, I got in the boat the other day and things were just in such a disarray. It's, it seems like I just let things compound and compound because when it's, you know, the summer fishing going right into the fall fishing, you know, you're too busy worried about getting back out on the water um, to be able to go catch that next bass. And a lot of times I find that my tackle boxes are very well unorganized and I'm sure you find that very very hard to believe but then also just the wear and tear on the reels you've got to do maintenance you know those things need oil and grease um, hooks all kinds of things to to spend time on and not to mention certainly looking and reviewing last year's diary entries and I'm talking about my fishing diary that is yeah dear diary 
Now, of course, I, I love to see you doing that job, doing the, the organizing the boat, because, uh, of course, you're the keeper of the Bass Edge boat. I know you'll have it all set up when I show up to go fishing. <laughs> yeah, well, I hate to tell you this, but you're part of the reason that there's so much to reorganize, you know. Last year, I seemed to have found, um, oh, I want to say some coffee cups, and uh, I don't want to say a banana peel, because you haven't done that to me yet, but certainly there was a, a lot of line that, for some of those nice, nasty backlashes that we got to cut out. Hey, what are friends for? Hey, are, are you going to break out your uh, vice and tie us up some more of those jigs like you did last year? Yeah, if Kathy will let me, uh, last year we filled a couple of vacuum cleaner bags with uh, deer hair, so uh, we'll see how that goes. She's not a big fan, but uh, I know I need to get out. I know I need to tie some jigs. Well, I'm going to have to talk to her because we are certainly going to need some of those soon, and for those who may not be aware of what we're talking about, um, Steve is actually a fly fisherman by trade and was certainly kind enough to transition that over into the the bass fishing world for the drop shotting and tied up some phenomenal hair jigs and we'll be talking i'm sure a little bit more about that uh, probably in the months of january and february but in the meantime the clock is running down on us and it's uh it's really time to say goodbye, Steve. Well, it is. It's been great. It's been good to be back with you. It's good to talk to some of the guys. And uh, we just want to make sure all our listeners are right back here on the next episode of The Edge. And don't forget to send in the listener questions to info at BassEdge.com. For Steve Brigman, I'm Aaron Martin, and we'll see you next time right here on The Edge. The Edge is presented by Kill Guard Kill Protector. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit www.bassedge.com. And be sure to be with Steve Brigman and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Legend Boats, Power Pole, Dobbins Rods, and Mercury Outboards. <laughs>